There are so many musicals. So many. Too many to count. There are so many bloody musicals in the world that often many get thrown to the wayside or forgotten about. And on this episode of the Finter the Woods podcast, I'm going to talk you through some of my favourite underrated and underappreciated shows and scores which I recommend you all go and have a listen to. You might absolutely love it, you might absolutely hate it, but that's the joy of musical theatre, is that it's completely up to you how you feel about a show. And a lot of what I've learned, and a lot of what I know now, has come from my friends and my family recommending different shows and different scores to me. So I think it's always important to try and listen to as much as you can, And obviously there's a lot to listen to, and I've not listened to every show ever, but I try and listen to at least a new show every month that I've never listened to before, whether it's a show from 1956 or a show from 2013. I always try and broaden my horizons because you might discover a show that you absolutely love and fall in love with it, and I love that. I love discovering new shows and new things. So my first recommendation is Copacabana from 1994. Now, this is written by Barry Manilow, the legend that is Barry Manilow, and it's based upon his song. The storyline is based upon the song, Copacabana. You know, her name was Lola, she was a showgirl, and that story that is insinuated in that song. And that song became a TV musical in the mid-80s, and that TV musical then evolved into Copacabana in 1994. It starts off with these two characters called Stephen and Samantha, and Stephen's an aspiring writer, and he's trying to write the song or the story of Copacabana. It's all a bit confusing. So the rest of the show is set in the late 40s, and the characters are then called Tony and Lola, which are basically Stephen and Samantha in a past life. And they, she works at the Copacabana, and there's fighting, there's punching, there's gunshots... It's very eventful, and the music, being Barry Manilow, is so catchy and so fun, and it's one of those scores that I always go and listen to if I want a good time, because it's really enjoyable to listen to. But it had two very successful years in the West End, starring Gary Wilmot and Nicola Dawn, and it hasn't really had much life anywhere else. It's not really had a big success in America, it's mainly been successful here in the UK. My family have been in a couple of productions of it, hence why I love it so much, because I grew up with the music. Yeah, it's very fun, and if you want a feel-good show to go and listen to, I recommend Copacabana, and you can't go wrong with a little bit of Battery Manilow. The next show that I want to recommend that you go and have a listen to is Betty Blue Eyes, and this is written by the British composing duo of Styles and Drew. Now, Stars and Drew have written many, many shows, and they feature twice on this list, I believe. One of their earlier shows, Honk, won the best musical Olivier over The Lion King, which was quite a big feat. And the show Betty Blue Eyes is based upon the 1984 film A Private Function, which starred Maggie Smith. And it's about kind of post-wartime Britain, and the there is a pig. There, basically, there's a pig on a farm. And they're saving the pig for a banquet with all the posh people, but no one else is allowed to go. Basically, Joyce and Gilbert Chilvers, the main couple in the show, he steals the pig 
and the pig lives in their house and there's lots of comings and goings of everyone going in the house and they're trying to hide the pig and they have a big banquet and Joyce makes all the meat out of spam instead of the actual pig. It's chaotic, but it's very, very British. It's a proper British musical. And the score is so much fun, so much fun. And I think that's the main thing I look for in most shows is fun. I'm not a dreary musical person because I can't be bothered. I if you if you told me to sit down and listen to Les Mis, I think I'd cry. Like I do I do not do sad slow musicals. I love an upbeat musical. And Betty Blue Eyes is exactly that. I was lucky enough to see the original West End production at the Novello in 2011. And it starred Sarah Lancashire and Rhys Shearsmith as the main couple. And they were brilliant. I mean, I adore Sarah Lancashire in everything. But I think that stemmed from seeing her in Betty Blue Eyes. And you also had the wonderful Anne Emery as the mother in the show as well, who was hilarious. And it only ran for about six months. But it did get three Olivier nominations. One for Sarah Lancashire, one for Rhys Shearsmith and one for Best New Musical. But it failed to win any of them. And Kylie Minogue was the voice of the pig. Which was bizarre because the pig sings at the end in the original London production. And it was just, it felt a bit unnecessary. I'm not going to lie to you. But Kylie Minogue was a pig. It's a shame it hasn't really had much life after that West End production because I think it could do really well and I think it needs work and it needs tweaking but I think it has the potential to be a really, really popular show and maybe it just came at the wrong time, I'm not too sure. But hopefully we'll see more of Betty Blue Eyes in the future. The musical fame which first opened in America in 1988 has become such a classic here in the UK and I find it truly bizarre that it has not had that much success in the US at all. It first opened in the West End in 1995, and then from that, it's had multiple West End runs and UK tours. It had a big, chunky West End run from 2002 to 2006, and then it came back to the West End in 2007, starring H from Steps, which is very, very random. But it's become so popular. It toured about three years ago, and that production was filmed, and that production's on Broadway HD. And... It's just become so popular, especially as well with amateur companies up and down the country. I think everyone I know has been involved in a, in a production of fame at some point in their life. It's been performed in over 30 countries in multiple languages. And I honestly think it's one of my favourite shows ever. The storyline itself isn't the most fun. There's drugs, there's death. It's not, it's not the most, yeah enjoyable storyline but the songs i mean you have fame the title song of fame which everyone knows and loves and dances to and it is a great finale it's probably one of the best finale songs fame it's great but yeah the whole score is just hit after hit bop after bop you can't go wrong with fame it doesn't have the same storyline as the movie of the same name or the tv series of the same name but it all takes place in the High School of Performing Arts and you have the kind of ongoings between the teachers and the students and this, that and the other. But yeah, it's a bit weird because they do mention the film at some point. So it obviously takes place in a universe where the fame universe already exists, but then this musical is part of the fame universe. I think maybe I'm thinking into it too much. There is also a sequel to Fame called Fame Forever and this stage musical premiered in the noughties and the England premiere, the first ever production in England, starred my parents and was produced by my family which is very, very exciting. They did 
back to back. So they did one week of fame and then the following week they did fame forever. It was a bit crazy. It was a bit hectic. I remember it vaguely as a child and being around it. It was busy, busy, busy. But what a cool thing for them all to be a part of. I'm always insanely jealous of that. Okay, Fame Forever may not be the best show in the world, let's be honest here, but the score is just as good as Fame's, and I will I will always say that because I love both shows equally. So if you get a chance, go and listen to both shows. I don't know where Fame Forever exists. I have it, but I don't know where I found it because it's not on anywhere. But if you can find it, well done you. The next recommendation I have for you is another Stars and Drew musical, and this one is called Just So. So this musical is based upon Rudyard Kipling's Just So stories and all of these stories written by him are kind of interlinked in the musical and intertwined a bit like Into the Woods in the sense it's multiple stories that are all kind of mishmashed together. But it is a bit weird and I it's all about animals and there's a talking stove and a rhino and an elephant and a bird who doesn't want to fly and a and a chef it's 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 all a bit confusing oh and a crocodile and a crab and any animal you can think of really a kangaroo i could go on and on i believe the original production was directed by julia mckenzie the legendary actress the multi olivier award winning actress who i absolutely adore and yeah she directed the original production but the production that the cast recording is of is the 2005 Chichester Festival Theatre production which starred Richard Dempsey, John Barrowman and Julie Atherton in some of the lead roles. I love 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 the fact that the cast recording is from a regional production because this never happens it's so so rare and I think it's a shame because a lot of the time regional productions of shows are sometimes better than their West End or Broadway counterparts and we often kind of put them to the side because it's just a regional production. But the amount of regional productions I've seen that are better at quality than West End shows is staggering, really. And so I think more regional theatres should be getting cast recordings because, as you can see and hear with this production of Just So, it's perfection. There's some really lovely songs in it, like Wait a Bit, which is sung by the character The Cola Cola Bird. And talking about the fact that she can't fly. That's a really beautiful song. I like that one. And also the Parsley Cake Walk, which is the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And is one of the big numbers in the show where the cast can all literally just mess about. I've done this show once and I was a wallaby. But I remember not having a bloody clue what I was meant to be doing throughout the whole of that show. I, yeah, I, I don't remember much about it at all because... I was a bit useless in that one. Yet another British musical to add to your list. And this one is made in Dagenham, which premiered in the West End in 2014. Now, this musical, which is written by David Arnold and Richard Thomas, didn't have a very long run in the West End. It ran for, I think, about nine or ten months, which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't bad, but wasn't brilliant. And the show is based upon... The film of the same name from 2010, which starred Sally Hawkins, who you may well know from The Shape of the Water or from Paddington and Paddington 2, the best films ever. And it's about the strike at the Ford factory from The Sewing Machinist. It's all about the women wanting equal pay and equal rights. And I love that. It's brilliant. And obviously it is based upon a true story, but there's some bits that have been tweaked by artistic license, let's say. But the West End production starred Gemma Arterton, 
and she was very, very good. I like her on the cast recording. I like her voice, and it's. I'd like to see her do more musicals, actually. It's a shame she hasn't. And the set was designed by Bunny Christie, who recently designed the set for Company and won a Tony for it, but previously designed the set for Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. So the set was fab, too. And, yeah, another classic British musical which has grown in popularity among amateur dramatic societies in and around the UK. And for a very good reason, because many amateur companies are very female-heavy. Lots of amateur companies struggled to get men to do their shows. So it's a great show for amateur companies to do because they often have the women. And they can be of any age. Now, that's what I love about Maiden Dagnum is that it doesn't all have to be young women. It can be women of any age. And I think that's really important to have more musicals with a bigger age range in them. The penultimate musical that I think you should go and have a listen to is Snoopy. Now, this is a sequel to the musical You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which is probably more well-known within musical theatre circles, and that musical actually won Kristen Chenoweth with her first Tony in 1999. But Snoopy was written in 1975 and premiered then, and it contains all the same characters as You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, like Peppermint Patty and Sally and Linus and Charlie Brown and Snoopy, obviously. And it's a really, really fun show to be in. I've really enjoyed this show. I've done it twice. No, I've only done it once. And I played Linus. And it was a great time because I got to really accentuate my natural born lisp. And I really enjoyed not having to try and hide it. It's got some cracking songs in it. Some real earworms. There's one called Edgar Allan Poe, which is all about Edgar Allan Poe. And it will get stuck in your head for days and I hope if you're listening to this now and you know this show that song is now stuck in your head for a week because it's now stuck in mine. Again it's had a couple of productions in the West End but never really any big success in America. They did a benefit concert in the early noughties with Sutton Foster and Christian Ball in it which was really fun. I've seen clips of that and heard audio recordings and it sounded fabulous and Sutton Foster as Peppermint Patty is perfect casting. I've always found sequel musicals an odd concept and they often don't work. See, Love Never Dies. But in this instance, I think Snoopy trumps You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. But obviously that's up to you to make up your own decision on which you think is better or are they just as good as each other? Now, my final show that I think you need to go and have a listen to is Wonderland. And now I know this is controversial, but it was cursed from the beginning. Let's be honest. It had multiple years of out of town tryouts where it just didn't work. Characters were cut, songs were cut, the storyline completely changed, cast members were fired. It was absolutely hell on earth. How it ever got to Broadway, I do not know. But when it got to Broadway in 2011, it only ran for a month, which is very, very short. And it's a show that has never been done because you can't get the licence for it. It's not even been done in any amateur circumstances. It's such a shame because I think it'd be a great show for so many companies to do. The music is by Frank Wildhorn, who wrote the very successful musical Jekyll and Hyde and also The Scarlet Pimpernel and also the song Where Do Broken Hearts Go for Whitney Houston. So it's got good music in it and... Yes, the storyline is weird, and yes, it's all based around Alice in Wonderland, so it's going to be a bit like you're on some weird drug-infused dream the whole time, but it's very entertaining. Alice is all grown up, and she goes back to Wonderland, and she meets all these characters, so the Cheshire Cat and Tweedledum and Tweedledee aren't in it, but there's lots of new characters that she meets along the way. It's just absolute 
chaos, but it was very camp. And the costumes were really cool. I remember the song Off With Their Heads, which is sung by the Queen of Hearts. All the the showgirl costumes in the background were all like playing cards, which I really enjoyed. And it looked visually really cool, but audiences just hated it. And it made no money and it flopped. It had an equally as tumultuous UK production. It was a UK tour starring Kerry Ellis. And I believe half the cast still haven't been paid because the production company went bust because they were crooks, basically. And... Yeah, it closed early and they cancelled performances and I think it might just be a cursed show actually. But give it a listen because the cast recording definitely is not cursed. But that is all my recommendations so far. I have many more but those are the ones that I hold close to my heart and that I love for multiple reasons and I hope you all enjoy them too and I hope you enjoy the music and even if you don't, don't tell me because then I'll be sad. But once again, thank you very much for listening to the Fin to the Woods podcast. Every stream and every listen is very much appreciated. And I'm really glad that people are enjoying it. And that's all I ever really wanted to achieve with this. And hopefully I am achieving that. So yes, thank you for listening. And next week, we're going to be talking about my namesake, the wonderful Into the Woods and the whole history of that show and all the productions from over the decades.